hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. That's right. We're in the last month of the year. Feels like it just came and went so fast or very slowly. It's kind of like, oh my God, 2021's already over. And it's also like, did 2021 even happen with COVID still being a thing and all that jazz? But I am not here to talk about COVID or any of that jazz. And I am, of course, Marcus Nez. It's, it's been a while, but not really. It's the same time since the last episode. But last episode, I didn't really talk about anything because I forgot the episode was even a thing. So I'm going to make up for that today with a handful of games. i got quite a few games to talk about, including Airborne Kingdom, Grow, Song of the Evertree, Undernaught's Labyrinth of Yomi, The Smurfs, Mission Leaf, Epic Chef, Space Elite Force 2-in-1, American Hero, and Hermitage, Strange Case Files. And I'm just going to get right to it. Starting with Airborne Kingdom, which is a city-building sim that is uh, available on most platforms, at least Xbox and PC. I play it on Xbox, and I'm guessing it's probably on PlayStation as well. Switch is always an up-in-the-air, who knows, because games may not perform that well on there, so they're not on the platform, etc., etc., what have you. And what I'll say about Airborne Kingdom is that these types of games need to do one thing well. And they need to do this one thing better than everything else. And that is onboard the player. And I think Airborne Kingdom does a terrible job of onboarding the kingdom? <laughs> of onboarding the player. I found the tutorial to be pretty lacking. And at times it just left me with no idea of where I needed to go next or what I needed to do next. And just let me linger for like a minute before it was like, hey, why don't you do this? I was like, you, you could have told me that a minute ago because it's, it's still pretty early on and I'm unfamiliar with pretty much everything about this game and how it works and all this jazz. And then on top of that, which is very important, onboarding, I just think the game controls pretty shittily with a controller. I don't think it feels that great navigating the in-game space the menus are fine sure that's that's not hard to do but navigating the world space and all that with a controller and moving around pieces that you want to build and connect to your airborne kingdom is not great and it's a bummer because i like the idea of this which is where you are building this airborne kingdom this city in the sky and like a lot of games like this where you're collecting resources and whatnot, the way it spices things up is that you are this airborne kingdom and you can fly to new resources. Instead of being stuck to the ground, you can move to a new location that has lots of resources for you to collect. And then you send your little airplanes down to the surface and they'll collect the goods while you're in the, the sky and not just living on ground. I'm not sure. Yes, it's convenient to be able to move from area to area, but if there is a narrative reason as to why you can't live permanently on the ground, I don't know because I did not make it that far, uh, given the control issues and the onboarding issues. And I like the 
the balance side of it. So with your Airborne Kingdom, you can't overload one side of, say, you're, you're building a bridge or a pathway or whatever. You can't overload one side of the pathway with too many large buildings and nothing on the other side to balance it out. Otherwise, your Airborne Kingdom will tip over. And that's not a good thing to happen. Nobody wants that. So I like some of the ways the whole airborne thing spices up the city building genre, which, you know, isn't the spiciest of genres, but it just doesn't feel great with the controller and the onboarding isn't great. So I bounced off it after a few hours and that's that. Will I ever go back to it? I don't know. The The onboarding is something I can get past, but the controls, if, if it ever goes on sale on PC, which I'm sure it will because what doesn't go on sale on PC, maybe I'll give it another go there, but I would not recommend it on Xbox unless you really, really, really like City Builders. And I mean, you can get used to controls. You can get used to the controls for any game. That is pretty factual. I'd say. I'm, I'm trying to think of a game where it's literally impossible to get used to the controls. I can't think of something like that. You know, you, you put enough time into something, you'll get used to it. You'll you'll get familiar with it. You'll get comfortable with it, etc. So if, if you really, really, really like said you built this, then yeah, sure, give it a shot. But uh, unless you are a diehard fan of the genre, this is definitely one of those. If you're a fan of the genre, then you can give it a go. Anyone else? Eh, move on to something else. Go play, what's it called? City Skylines, yes, it's more generic and the norm, but it's also better. Anyway, Grow, Song of the Evertree, is, I, I'm i trying to remember, like, it's already kind of went in one ear and out the other. It's very colorful, I remember thinking it looked visually nice, it reminded me somewhat vibe-wise of Yonder. The Cloud Catcher Chronicles in wanting to be this adventure game where you're also collecting resources in a much more hands-on way, away as in approach and way. I didn't know what to say there, but uh, you know, you're chopping things, you are planting stuff, and I guess the one little thing about it is that the whole song thing is that you sing to the plants. And they'll grow special. I don't know. It was a very long, drawn-out tutorial and pretty boring. So they start you off with a lot of exposition and story. And I was like, I don't care. Can we just move on? And I think maybe you couldn't skip. I don't know if this is the game where you couldn't skip stuff. But I was going through it, getting all the story. And I'm like, okay, come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's, let's get this show on the road. And then they throw you into this early area where they're just asking you to do a bunch of busy work to, I guess, get you accustomed with how the game will work when you get to more open areas and bigger areas. And it just felt a little too drawn out there. I was like, okay, I get it. I understand what you want me to do. Can we move on? This is clearly not the main area or anything. And I'm just going around doing the same shit. I am breaking up this bit of rubble so that I can collect this and then I will open up a slot where I can drop in a seed that will place a plant 
And then I go around after I've done all that and talked to this person. They're like, okay, good. Now do this. And then I go around to all these plants and I do this. And then I tell them and they're like, good. Okay, now go do this. And I just do all that. And when I got to the bigger, more open area with some more things to do and whatnot, I just, I wasn't engaged with the game. It didn't grab me. It didn't get its hooks in me. It didn't make me want to keep playing. As much as I like chill games like this, the actions and everything about it was pretty boring. It didn't have a personality or a charm to it that made me want to keep playing. Outside of very nice visuals. It looks nice. It's very colorful. And so don't think I'll be going back to that anytime soon. Then Undernaught's Labyrinth of Yomi is a first-person grid-based dungeon crawler in the vein of stuff uh, of recent memory, like the Etrian Odyssey games or Legend of Grimrock series. I really like these types of games. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Etrian Odyssey. I don't know why we still haven't gotten one on Switch, unless we have. I think maybe there might have been one in Japan that just has never been localized. I'm not sure, but why we don't have one at the very least, if not multiple, is crazy to me. And so I love these types of games. They're very simple in design. They might have a lot of complex systems, etc. But uh, they're pretty basic in just the fact that you're going through these dungeons. You are building up the map as you go through it. And, and drawing it out and all that jazz. Uh, and that was one of the nice things about Etrian Odyssey is the... the control you had over de not designing but just uh drawing out the map yourself but um labyrinth of yomi is a, a solid one of them it's got really really nice art i like the character design art for your characters and the enemy designs i think they all look really really good and they're well done there are so many options for the character creations that you can make both in terms of their background the various classes, the profile pictures that you can pick for them. They're like probably over 50. I, they, it's a bit overwhelming. It was a bit too much, I'd say, when I was just trying to like create my initial squad to go dungeon crawling. I was like, why is there not an auto-create button in the, the character creation the loadout whatever um menu because there would be a great use for that because i i was just like i want to get into the game i want to start dungeon crawling i don't want to get caught up in creating these characters because you create the characters you give them a name you give them a nickname you can give them their own personal little backstory uh so you don't have to go with the default description and then you pick out the the image of them after picking out the class and their like job and the little trinket they take with them that'll affect their or some of their stats. And it's not like the most complicated character creation system, but it's, it's detailed enough that it can be overwhelming at the start. But the story is where this structure or whatever came up. And of course, nobody knows where it came from, what it is really, but it's full of resources that people are mining to, to make a profit on the surface and then shit goes wrong and adventures start getting lost 
and you are one of the people tasked to go in there and figure out this and that and whatnot. And it's it's very Escher and Odyssey-esque in that sense. And then the comment is uh, pretty basic stuff. You have uh, fast battle systems and the usual MPC. Like, it's, it's a very by-the-books dungeon crawler, first-person grid-based dungeon crawler. And I don't have a problem with that. I like it. It's a good game to just pick up and play for a little bit here and there. The art is the the main selling point for me. I really like the look of everything in the game. So if you're a fan of first-person dungeon crawlers, another uh, fan of the genre type of thing, <laughs> it's a uh, it's worth checking out. Can you can you tell I'm just like I feel like I haven't podcasted in years. But then uh, Smurfs, Mission Leave. This is the highlight of the week. I know you may be thinking I'm joking. I'm not. This is a big surprise for me. It's a platformer, I guess in the vein of like Super Mario Sunshine. But instead you have like a a little, what do you call those things? The plant, the plant thing. You, you pour on the plants. You shoot it on the plants and then they get better or they whatever. I don't fucking know. I'm not a fucking gardener. It's uh, it's a something. But uh, you go around, you got your little pack with your little juice that you spray on plants and it makes them better. But it's just a, a 3D platformer and it looks really good. It's got some uh, nice color to it. It controls well. It's very easy. You know, it's meant for kids, basically, because it's a Smurfs game. But it's well done. And I had fun with it. I played it for like two hours on stream and I didn't want to move on to something else, but I, I did just to see and check out other games. But I was very, very, very pleasantly surprised by the Smurfs game. It's a, a very well-done, family-friendly 3D platformer. And I highly recommend checking it out if you have kids especially. But even if you're just a fan of 3D platformers, I think you could have some fun with it. Just don't expect the challenge, of course. If you, if you want challenge in your 3D platforms... No, no, no. Get away from the Smurfs. But if you just want a good, chill time, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised about the Smurfs. I know I was. Epic Chef is a game that is just doing too much. The developers bit off more than they could chew. You are thrown in this world. I, I like the look of the world, but I think the characters look dumb with their giant blocky heads. And it can go on and on with the dialogue, and it thinks it's funnier than it is. It's just... Come on, come on, game. Just move on with this shit. And you are a young fella who is going to their estate that they bought for the super cheap. And the reason why you got it super cheap, you find out, is because the land is cursed. And you're like, oh my God, it's cursed? Who cares, man? Look how good and big this land is. I'm a rich motherfucker now. And you go around chopping wood, planting plants, harvesting them using your sawmill to make planks and using the planks to make a windmill and you're just building all this stuff and making your own little farm. Then with the plants you've harvested, you cook and the cooking is basically just throw shit into a pan, stir it on occasion, but stir it at the right time to get the most out of it and put things in at the right order to make the most optimal meal. And then you get into cooking battles, which are pretty dull. And it just... The cooking battles seem like they are so inspired by Food Wars that it made me wish 
that the company making this just made a cooking battling game and lean more into that and focus more on giving the game strong personality, strong characters, maybe worked a bit more on the story and just gave the game a unique identity as opposed to just being like another game where you're collecting resources and planting and doing all this shit with this cooking thing on the side. Cause it feels very much on the side. I was like two hours into the thing until I got to the cooking. I'm like, what the, can I just get to the chef bits? When are the chef bits going to come in? And yeah, it, uh, didn't really grab me. And I, I think the cooking stuff, because there's so much else going on, I don't think they put enough time into it to expand it and to make it more interesting. It's a pretty dull cooking system. And the battle w- was dull. Like, I think there's potential in Epic Chef if it really just was an Epic Chef battling thing or whatever and not all this other crap going into it as well. And Space Elite Force 2 in 1 is two games in one. Space Elite Force 1 and 2. And these are shmups. Horizontal scrolling shmups. Yes, yes. Left to right. And they're fine. They they control well. In terms of control and all that, they're solid. And that's important. However, the art and music is incredibly lacking. The ship design is some of the most boring dull ship design I've ever seen, especially the bosses. Like I could forgive your basic enemies being pretty dull because whatever, they're just fodder there so that the bigger ships that come at you will be interesting. And then the bosses will be really big and exciting and challenging and, and all that good stuff. Like shmups are for me, a genre I struggle with just because they are very repetitive and they're repetitive in a way that just doesn't click with me in the same way that other repetitive games work, like beat-em-ups. I can play those like crazy, even though they are inherently just as repetitive. But for me, you know, you're going through the levels and it's good to have a nice bit of challenge. The music helps a lot if they have good music. And then you get to the boss, which is where the game gets really interesting and exciting because it's a drawn-out fight and it requires you to really use the skills you've gained playing the game to navigate the area, to avoid projectiles and all that. But in Space Elite Force 1 and 2, both games, the enemy bosses are some of the most dull, boring, like, okay, it's it's a rectangle that has some fins on both sides. Okay, the second boss, same rectangle, same fins, but one of the fins is longer than the other. It's just like, it's incredibly uninspired and just lacking any type of creative draw like it really kills the game that both the ship enemy designs are so dull and that the music is one very quiet in game it's much louder in the menus not like significantly louder but louder and it's just really boring like placeholder music like it's a game that fundamentally or, or, or control wise it's a game that has the core down but all the extra bells and whistles that are actually important in this genre in particular are just not there sadly 
But uh, yeah. Duh, 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 duh. I was like, is there anything else I want to say about that? Apparently not. American Hero is an FMV game from the 90s that was never finished, but a developer has gone through the process of restoring it and putting it all back together and cleaning it up and just putting all of it together, getting the original actor who plays the main dude, I believe, to do a few more voice lines that were never done in the past. And in terms of taking something that never came out and restoring it, in terms of preservation all that, it is a great product. It is lacking in terms of the extras they have in it, so you don't get a lot of details about the making of the game or whatnot and stuff like that. There aren't a lot of options in terms of visuals or anything along those lines or, or, or modern things like rewinding or whatever to make it a, a little bit easier. But the the game itself is you're a dude and shit's happening. And like I did not get far in it because... Maybe there's a reason why it was never finished in the first place. You will see actors in it you recognize. The production values for a game back then, like, they're, they're pretty good. But what I don't like about it is that, one, accessibility options, incredibly limited. And by limited, I mean I, there's, like, nothing there. Because there are no subtitles for all the dialogue. There are just four subtitles for your character's internal monologue their internal thought but they're so small that if you have difficulty reading or like if you if you need bigger subtitles you're shit out of luck and if you want subtitles for the whole thing because sometimes they mumble or are very quiet in their dialogue you're also out of luck so not a lot of thought went into that into making it an accessible experience and then the way the game works is that you're going to die a lot. I died three times in my first like 10 minutes with the game. The first time I died by having, or, or I, I died from choosing to have sex with the stripper. She killed me. She syringed me and killed me. Then I died when I decided to try and escape. It said escape or boombox. Escape, boombox. And I chose escape and I freaked out. He like freaked out from the, the noise the disco ball was making. He jumped through this glass window and was just killed immediately from the glass he jumped through. And it was all up in his face and I died. And every time you die, it goes to the same little quick FMV of a funeral. And then the last time I died was after I got back to, I think it was my house and I checked the shower and a, big fat woman was in it in some blue suit or whatever and it said escape or like run away or fight and I decided to fight but what fighting entailed was me just looking at her like oh my god what do I do here and I just let her grab me and squeeze me to death and why all the dying is annoying is that when you restart from a checkpoint you can't skip to the decision part where you ended up picking the wrong decision to continue the, the story. You have to watch the thing play out. And that may not be a very long time. It, it could be in some cases. In some cases, it could be a few minutes, which is not insubstantial. But 
regardless, dying as often as I died in the game very early on, I was like, I don't wanna I don't wanna deal with this. I don't have to keep seeing this stupid funeral little thing and having to rewatch these sections because I can't just skip to the the choice that I've already gotten to. But really it's just like it's a nineties esque movie that isn't as dumb or as funny as it should be in order to be engrossing and engaging to the point of wanting to see where the story goes. It doesn't get your it doesn't get its hooks into you right from the start, which it needs to. And it's just, you know, it's it's great that this exists because it's nice to have things and have a way to access them, especially things that were never officially released in the past. So I love that as a preservation aspect. I love the, I just love the fact that this exists. But that's as good as it gets. It exists, and that's great. But should you actually play it? Not really. Not unless, again... You're a diehard FMV. Like, if you live and breathe FMV, you're already playing this. Surely. If you live and breathe FMV, you know all about this game. You know its history way better than I will ever know. And uh, I'm sure you're very happy. But, like, it's cool that it exists. But is it an actual good game? No, it's not. Not really. Then the last one is Hermitage Strange Case Files, a visual novel where you are a bookstore owner of a, a store called The Hermitage. You got a bunch of rare books in your collection, and you get quite the interesting clientele, and you have all these mysteries to solve. And I've only seen a bit of the game and the first mystery, and the reason why is because I think this is one of the best made all around visual novels I've ever played in terms of giving you a fair amount of agency and choices to make of making you feel a part of the story and not like you're just reading a story. The production values across the board, the UI, the art, the general design of everything. Like this is such a lovingly put together product and the writing is good. The story's at least what I've experienced is very interesting. Like the reason why I haven't put more time into this is because I actually want to get deep into this and stream the whole thing. I think this is going to be such an entertaining game to play with others. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. I think if you like visual novels, this is a no brainer as someone who generally doesn't like visual novels. It's been very rare. I'm very impressed by what I've played of Hermitage up until uh, up to this point. And it's kind of surprising, too, because I'm thinking now, I also played Doki Doki Literature Club this year, which was, and I mean, it is my game of the year, uh, to come across a second visual novel that I'm really, really liking. Never would have expected it. So uh, I can't speak too much on the game, uh, in any detail, and I wouldn't want to because I think, you know, a big part of the fun is exploring the mysteries for yourself and all that jazz, but I think even if you aren't into visual novels, it might be worth giving Hermitage, Hermitage 
a shot because it does what I think every visual novel should do and it also does all of it very well. Maybe it fucking goes off a cliff and the quality dips like crazy after the first few hours, but it makes a hell of a great first impression. Maybe a little bit overwhelming when you look at the controls, especially you're like, holy crap, this is a lot more than I was expecting from a visual novel. But that is something I appreciate because I don't want to just like, I want to be a part of the story. I don't want to read a story. I want to be a part of it. And too often I find visual novels are just reading, 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 reading. And I, I feel so disconnected from them that I'm like, why is this a game and not just a book or whatever? But uh, yeah, that is again Hermitage, Strange Case Files. Playing that on Xbox as well. I played, yeah, all these are on Xbox. That's where I played all of them. I think Hermitage is on everything. It's at least on Switch. I know that for sure. But um, yeah, that will do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you'd like to see me streaming games like Hermitage, I'll be doing that at some point in the nearish future. You can do so over at twitch.tv slash pxsausage. If you'd like to check out the videos I make, you can do that over at youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage. Speaking of pixelated sausage, if you put a little dot and a com after that, you've got pixelatedsausage.com, my website, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, both of which are available on podcast services across the globe. And, and you can also find my art on the site. And if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, a lovely rest of your week, and a fantastic week. And man, a bit rusty. A bit rusty, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Is it... I did something, I finished something this past week that, uh, I mean, just a few days ago that I've been working on for months and months and months. And it just kind of freaking, it's like wiped my brain out to the point where I'm like, everything's reset. Everything's reset. And it's like, we're, we're ready to like start a whole bunch of new things. It's exciting, but also it's just like, what the hell? What happened? What do I do with my life anymore? But, uh, it's very fun. It's very exciting. It's super satisfying too, but uh, yeah, we're we're gonna get back in the groove of things with the podcast and everything. I'm excited about what the future holds because of all this stuff. Like the past few weeks, I'd say November. November was a hell of a month in terms of getting shit done, coming to revelations about this or that, or just like accepting this part of my life and moving on from like. I think I made a lot of good personal gains in my life, professional too. Like I think November turned out to be a really good month for me and I'm excited about everything else. So I hope you're excited and ready and uh, accepting of the fact that this maybe wasn't the best episode, (laughs) but uh, we're we're all good. Anywho, that is it. That is all. Thank you again for listening and I hope you enjoy it and all that jazz and I'll, I'll, I'll be better next week. Maybe you thought this was a good episode. I don't know. I Maybe I'm being too hard on myself because I just want every, I, who knows? Whatever. Let's just move on. Let's move on. It's, a, it's the end of the year. Calm down, people. Anywho, that is it. That is all. Adios for the third friggin' time. Bye.